Episode 57, Hey Love Podcast. Welcome to Hey Love, engaging you, the reflective woman, in soul care, spirituality, and social spaces through the grid of God's grace. Here, it's all about relationships. Hey, love. How are you on this lovely day? Well, I'm feeling a little cruddy myself, (laughs) to tell you the truth. I've been dealing with a UTI. Have you ever had one of those? Uh, It's not exactly fun. This is good, though. I'm glad to be here with you. (laughs) It helps me keep my mind off it. Hey, is that just TMI for you? I'm sorry I'm always talking about stuff like that. Ugh, just It's just life. I got to thinking, we've talked a lot on here about the importance of building a safe, supportive, loving community around you. But really, how do you do that? I want to give you some practical tools today about that very thing. Before I ever studied love, I had major misconceptions about what it really meant, especially in my youth and even into my adult years. For one, I always thought that love was something that you got in a relationship in exchange for giving something or doing something, you know, for the other person. But now I see that it shouldn't be something you have to earn. And another thing is, really, the more you give of selfless, pure love, the more your love grows and the more you receive too. This is easy to see with your kids, um, especially when, well, at least when they're little in the lover stage. If you're like me, you've wondered how in the world you could ever love your adopted child as much as your biological one. And this might be the case with multiple biological kids, too. I wouldn't know that because God, in his mysterious goodness, only granted me one of those. But I cannot imagine our family now without our adopted one. I shudder to think of that. And yes, the love I have for her is every bit as real and deep as it is for our homegrown, our son, even though we brought him into the world the good old-fashioned way. I heard a fellow mom say, it's like you grow a new heart with every child. And that has absolutely been true for me. My friend Sandy Butters has a great way of saying it, too. She's pursuing foster care because she wants love to be something she gives, not just something she consumes. Isn't that a great way to live? Don't you love that? Sandy is one of the women that I've called mentor for years, and she just published a Bible study on love based on 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, which I'm so excited about, this book. She takes a spiritual magnifying glass and and really looks closely at how Jesus, the man, loved the humans around him. And she teaches us how to mirror him in our relationships. I just got the workbook today, and I'm so thrilled that she uses the same phrase all over her book that we use around here all the time, live out love. It's so great. Sorry, my stomach's growling. I'll be sharing excerpts from that study as I get into it over the next few weeks. It's so much of the stuff for what my heart beats all the time. So I want to talk to you about loving friendships. Do you have a good, healthy, loving friendship? Is there one person that you feel completely accepted and loved by unconditionally, even on your worst day? Well, doctors and scientists are saying that is key to your health. My friendships do mean a lot to me, but as a young adult, I put way too much stock in my friendships. 
One in particular was with a girl who was everything that I always wished I was more of. She was outspoken and opinionated and quick-witted and could get other people to do or think just about anything she wished. We got along great because I didn't have an opinion. I was always quiet. I was always lurking in her shadow. And I loved doing whatever she wished because that kept her happy and it kept the focus off of me. It, you know, it helped me, it kept me from having to think about myself, like what I wanted or what I was feeling. Never had to think about my feelings. And that was just, I was happy with that. That was just great for me. It worked. So our sick little system worked for a while because busyness and approval were my gods, clearly. She would tell me what to do and I would jump through whatever hoop she pointed to. And, you know, this was all after I became a follower of Jesus, mind you. I was a believer at the time, but I just had no idea how to navigate relationships. I had no one to teach me. That's why I'm here, to offer you some guidance that I always wished I had. When a pastor told me how unhealthy this friendship was from his point of view, I was it was really hard to hear, but I did finally get it because I trusted him. And I was sure that he was saying that it was all her fault. He helped me see that it was not all her fault, that I did obviously have a part in it. I Obviously, I was just as messed up as she was because I wasn't speaking the truth to her or me. But I still couldn't bring up anything for a while, quite a while. I knew that something wasn't quite right in our friendship. Um, things were sort of out of balance. But when you're codependent like I was... Dealing with issues sounded so threatening, like I would have rather had a limb cut off with a hacksaw, (laughs) with no numbing agent whatsoever. When the Lord finally did sever that unhealthy relationship, it felt like death. At the same time, I felt like I could finally breathe again. So what do I mean when I say that the Lord severed that relationship? Well, He showed me through his word and through prayer and through journaling and counseling. Um, You know, his spirit is always communicating with us. We just got to tune in to what he's saying. I had this realization that loving my friend might look different from what I'd always thought love was. In this particular case, the spirit showed me that letting go was loving her and loving myself too. It was the best thing for both of us. If I hadn't gone to my pastor that day with some concerns about our friendship, sooner or later, my friend and I would have probably killed each other. (laughs) I'm sure we would have. Have you ever had a close friendship blow up like that? Oh, it's so awful. Isn't it just the worst thing? Well, I am sorry for your pain, but I pray that maybe you can see God's hand in it now that you have some hindsight and time and distance behind you. As for me, it was painful, totally, yes, but it was the best thing that could have happened because it made me really get in touch with my depravity like nothing else ever had before. I had to look at my need for approval. I couldn't get away from it. It was so in my face, you know, clear. My approval idol was bigger than God in my heart, and it certainly was not love. Love had nothing to do with it. How I was living was a clear indication of that to me. But you know, just as you prune a tree, 
the Father had to prune me and my heart. Once he broke it all down, he started rebuilding my heart. Like when a bone gets broken, sometimes it has to get broken again so that it heals the right way. So it was like he broke me and then he kept me really close like a hen does with her baby chick so I would heal the right way. And I would learn how to give and receive love like he does. So it was a really lonely, dark time after losing my friend because along with her, I lost my identity. It was all wrapped up in having her approval and the approval of a handful of other people. I wasn't trying to please God at all. It was fear of man or the fear of rejection of man that was motivating me. I know I'm forgiven now for putting others first, but now when I look back on that whole season of loss, I see it as such a grace. It was, it was almost like I was cocooned in. My friend Steph, now that's a healthy friendship there. My friend Steph talks about that, how the Lord sometimes wraps you up in a cocoon and keeps you all to himself so he can pour into you and prepare you. Then later he can bring you out into a wide open space. That's the way I see it now. After he cocooned me, he grew me. Of course, I'm still cooking, not done yet. But it's so ironic that now I find myself counseling others on their relationships. It's so crazy. I mean, not professionally or anything. I'm not a counselor per se. (laughs) I mean, I just find myself talking to women a whole lot about their relationships. But like Christine Kane says, hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. Ah, I love that. When you're trying to build a loving community around you, it's hard because all of us have been hurt. Everyone has a story, and we've all hurt others, too. Every woman I know has had friendship woes. I thought it was the good Christian thing to do. Like, the only Christian response to being mistreated was to keep going back for more um, abuse. (laughs) But the Lord started showing me, what if loving somebody means saying no to them or goodbye to them. What if love looks totally different than what we think? Now, how can saying no to a fellow believer ever be the loving thing to do? How can that be like something Jesus would tell us to do? Well, I'm here to tell you that if you're being abused in a friendship and you tell her no or feel led to leave, sometimes that's the most loving thing you can do. For that person in that moment, maybe that's the thing that will help them see there's a problem. Maybe the Holy Spirit has been trying to show them something, and they've been living in denial and getting away with a little too much. Maybe they need to feel the gravity of their loneliness so that they can cry out to God for help. Maybe the Lord is leading you out of the way because He wants a clear path to that person's soul. He loves them, too. There's a thought. Maybe you've been thinking all this time that you're loving this person, and all the while you've actually been an obstacle in their recovery process kind of a different way of thinking about it, isn't it? I had to learn all this the hard way, so I'm just passing on to you what the Spirit has been teaching me for the last 40 years. I know that we have a tendency to think whenever there's tension in a relationship or there's a conflict, oh, I I feel uncomfortable. I got to fix this right now. I got to work this out right away. I got to make this right. We get desperate, you know, 
And I, being the approval whore that I was, would go every time and buy like a bouquet of flowers and write out this apology note and take it over to the other person's house, even if it was in the middle of the night. Again, this was not me loving her. It was me trying to get something from her. Love had nothing to do with this. Now, while there are times that we're called to work out conflicts and find some common ground, um, talk through things until you find a resolution, sometimes doing what I did, groveling and offering blanket empty apologies, that can enable the other person to keep on in her depravity and never hit her rock bottom. You know what I mean? And that's the place she might need to reach before she cries out to God for help. Also, um, groveling can feed your addiction. How does that work? Well, see, the worst thing that I could do in that kind of situation was to keep going back and making amends with that friend. And that is exactly what I did do. I did it wrong. See, in my case, that was not trusting God. Because for me, my addiction or idol was approval, right? So my main goal was always to win the other person over again. My going over there to fix it was all about me. It wasn't loving the other person. It was getting what I needed. I'd get another hit and go on my merry way thinking ostensibly that I did the good Christian thing. But that wasn't love at all. And the high did not last. I really believed for a long time that if everybody liked me all the time, that all was good in the world and God was pleased with me. But no, that wasn't true. Inside, I was a mess. I was always saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sometimes I didn't even know what I was saying sorry for. I just, I discovered that I was just as guilty for always apologizing as she was for never being able to say she was sorry. We were both camped in our own respective corners of extreme. Her idol just looked different than mine, you know. Hers was more about power and mine was being the martyr. But neither of us was better than the other. We were both sick in our own way. Does this make sense? Maybe hers was even better than mine because she was at least more out there with it. Maybe hers was more honest. My way was more sneaky and manipulative. Seriously, don't you wish you were my friend? (laughs) Hear me say this, though. I have forgiven this friend, and she has forgiven me. We're good with things the way they are for now. I mean, you never know. I don't know what God might do. I don't put anything past him anymore. So one day in the distant future, we may be pals again. But for now, we're, we're cordial when we run into each other, and it's fine. I mean, I grieved the loss of that friendship, and I do wish that I could have handled it better. Really, the best thing for both of us would have been to break up a long time before we actually did. And I feel like God was trying to tell me that for a long time. But uh, So I wish that I would have known more about speaking the truth in love and receiving love so that I could have done better at all that. But I just, I didn't know what I didn't know. And we're each getting healthier now, you know. We're each on our own paths toward recovery. We're better for what we've learned. And God didn't waste a drop of that emotional pain. He's working on both of us. We were just not a good mix. But I love her from a distance, and that's okay for now. Do you have peace about your broken relationship? I hope so. 
You know that you're at peace when you can sincerely desire and pray for the best for that other person. I'm happy to say that I'm finally at that point now. I wasn't always. I was bitter for a pair of minutes. (laughs) But now it's all good. The truth is that experience has made me a better friend. Now, when it comes to working on a friendship, like if there is a conflict with a close friend, I don't try to jump to resolution anymore. I do try to work it out with the other person, especially if they're a close friend. And I do try to, you know, keep accounts really short. And for real, the ones who are able to say sorry are just treasures. (laughs) They're really worth keeping. I have an appreciation for them that I would not have had had I not gone through the previous loss. So, Really, I feel like we've just started to scratch the surface of how to build a loving community around you. There's so much more I want to say, but for now, let this sink in and suffice. I want to share one last very personal story with you. This just happened this morning. I was laying in the bed, kind of half asleep, you know, just sort of praying about stuff, trying to focus on God before I even opened my eyes, trying to put into practice what Lloyd Shadrach talked about in his interview, you know, uh, greeting the Lord every morning with, you love me, God, and out of that place of being loved as your child, how would you like for me to live that out today? And then I started praying for this week's episode on love, just asking him questions like, well, Lord, is there anything else you want me to add to this post? You know, just sort of, did I leave anything out? Almost like an afterthought. I often pray about the theme for these episodes. What do you want me to say on your behalf to my sister today, Father? And I was reminded of a conversation while I was laying in bed. I had this conversation with the Lord about 20 years ago. You know, I was just kind of breezing through the den, dusting and piddling around, and I hear this voice in my heart just impress on me this thought, there's that candle. And I was like, yeah, so? So what? And he sweetly says back to me, remember you used to light that candle every morning and just sit with me? I miss that. Oh, I gosh, isn't that just the sweetest thing you've ever heard? It was like, you miss me? You want to meet with me? It's mind-boggling. Well, how could I resist that kind of invitation? But still, sometimes I forget, you know, I get busy just like you do. So this morning in the quiet, I am talking to the Lord about the podcast, thinking maybe he'd remind me of some other practical tip for building healthy relationships. You know, I'd read through so many articles and um, listened to several sermons on t- online about love, and I thought maybe he'd bring one of those points back to mind. But instead, he takes me back to the candle. Again, in my heart, he says softly, Hey, remember how you'd light that little candle and just sit in your big purple chair? I loved it when you did that. Wow. Yes, Lord, of course. I'm so honored that you want to spend time with me. Stunned, really, and humbled. So I jumped out of bed, brushed my teeth, and I made a beeline for my purple chair. And here's the thing. Here's what I believe that he has for you in this 57th episode of this podcast. If you forget everything else I've said today, hear this. He wants to spend time with you like this, too. You are the apple of his eye. He has a crush on you. 
You're all he ever thinks about. He's obsessed with you in the purest way. He would go through hell or high water just to get next to you. He wants to meet with you and pour into you and wrap you up in a cocoon and whisper sweet nothings in your ear. But they're not ever really nothings. They're meaningful, beautiful words of life, hope, peace, and love. It's easy to take his love for granted because, you know, we're just like that. We're human. To the wife who asks, you know, do you still love me? Her husband might say, well, you know, I love you. I married you, didn't I? We're human. We might say, yes, I know you love me because of the sacrifice you made 2,000 years ago. But listen, I am talking about today. He is pursuing relationship with you, not just relationship, but romance with you. How does he do that? Well, he's always speaking, right? He's always pursuing you. Sometimes it's through a friend who's closer than a brother. Sometimes through his word. Sometimes it comes straight from his spirit. You'll hear a sentence in your head and think, wow, that was not something I would ever come up with on my own. Or sometimes he'll pursue you through a painful breakup with a friend, an earthly friend. Sometimes it's through the laughter of a child. Sometimes it's through nature. Amy Grant has this song called Lover of My Soul. It's, I don't know, maybe 20 years old. I sing it often in the winter. And the chorus says something like this. Maybe my eyes can't see but you're surrounding me here in the wind and the rain and the things that I know, tender and sweet and strong as my need. I know the voice. I know the touch. Lover of my soul. He talks to you, love, in the things that you know. He speaks your language. Pay attention to the things you pay attention to. He's the one who wired you to love those things and be drawn to them. He knows you so well, and he does love you. Listen for his voice. He's telling you all the time. Come closer. Listen carefully. I used to think the disciple John was so self-absorbed, you know, because he's always describing himself as the one that Jesus loved. But I get him now. I get it. He wasn't boasting on himself for being loved. He was boasting on the one that he felt loved by. There's humility in that. Think about it. What means more to you when a friend says to you, I love you? Or when she says, I feel so loved by you. I think more than hearing me say over and over again, Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. He wants to know that I feel loved by him, that I'm receiving love from him. It's not about the beloved. It's all about the lover. Beth Moore said it in one of her studies, maybe more than once. Tim and Kathy Keller have said it. C.S. Lewis, so many of the authors that you and I love, so many of the men and women that we call our spiritual leaders have said that fairy tales are all true. Every good story is really a picture of the gospel. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you do get swept off your feet by a handsome prince. You do get to fly like Peter Pan. The beast does get kissed by the beauty and beauty's light overtakes you, and you're transformed. It's all true. It's all real. That is your destiny. I'm telling you, it's the greatest love story ever. If you don't know Jesus this way, if you've always just thought, oh, yeah, he's good. He's one of the gods of the world. He's one of the things that we talk about. He's one of the things that we do. He's a good example for our kids to follow. Listen to me. This is not a religion. This is a person. 
I implore you, get to know this man. Consider how, consider how you get to know anybody. Find out what his favorite color is. Just ask him, just try it and see what he'll show you. To know him is to love him and to receive love from him. Make friends with him, receive his love, and he will bring true friends your way. I'm going to link to that Amy Grant song I was telling you about. And also, special announcement. My daughter Davy and I are going to get to go to India this summer. You can't see me right now, but I am doing the happy dance for sure. I will be telling you all about that mission. I'd love for you to get involved. We'll tell you soon about a couple of ways you can bring the love of God to a sweet little community in India with us. Hey Love Henna is one of them. More soon on that too. And Blair's at a Bible study, so we're going to save our review for next time. Unless he walks in right... Oh, there he is. I just heard the garage door open right now. That's amazing. Perfect timing, Blair. So here's a review. I'm going to let him read it for you. This review is from Holly Wally Doodle All the Day. Hey, love feels safe. It's relatable, honest, and downright therapeutic to my soul. Thank you, Holly Wally Doodle All the Day. That was very nice. Thank you so much. Love me a good review. Keep them coming, love. Just another way for you to live out love. Till next time. Bye, love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back. And we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. (laughs) Hello, hello. Is this okay right here? I can't read the first. Okay. (laughs) Why is that funny? I'm just trying to read.